And we're back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez. And this is my podcast, Art of Health. So, this podcast this is for the danger and play crowd, the guerrilla mindset crew, however you want to call it. And what we're going to be talking about is, let's just say, a general overview of strength and muscle building, some mythology, some misconceptions, and this hopefully answers the questions that have been asked by many of you. So when we talk about building muscle, we talk about building strength, there's a tendency to want to approach these things very binary. Binary meaning there's either yes or no, it's either this way or that way, tell me what to do. And the reality is that none of these subjects are that simple. They're simple from a standpoint of, yes, there are principles that absolutely govern muscular development. There are principles that govern strength development. There are principles that underlie you know, the whole foundation of health. But these principles don't give you specific 100% right all the time answers. So what do I mean by this? You know, how, how is this parlay into actually training? If you're a guy and you're listening to this and you think, I want to get bigger, I want to get stronger. Or maybe you're thinking, I just want to get strong, I don't care about getting big. You've already got a whole bunch of conflicting ideas in there. And let's break down why. Firstly, when we're talking about strength development, for most guys, you're going to think of one rep max. How much can I bench? How much can I squat? How much can I deadlift? People think of, you know, what's the maximum amount of weight they can lift? That's your assessment of strength. The thing about that is that maximal strength or absolute levels of strength, that's a combination of muscular tissue, one, if you have no muscle mass, you're not going to be strong, period. So it's a combination of muscle mass, number one. And number two, it's neurological and motor coordination. If you're not coordinated, you're not going to be able to lift that much weight. So for an example, programs like starting strength or 3 by 5 training, 5 by 5 training, I get questions about those all the time. What do you think of this? What do you think of 5 by 5 What do you think of 3 by 5 Should I do this? And my answer is usually no. Not that those programs are stupid, not that they don't, don't work, but 5x5 five five or 3x5, five, that's not a complete program. Programs are not permanent. The body goes through a continuum of changes, short and long term. Over the course of your time in the gym, if you lift for one year, two years, five years, ten years, your, your whole life, whatever, over the course of your time in the gym, your training has to change if you want adaptation to keep happening. 3x5 training or 5x5 training, that is low rep low rep high intensity training low volume training that works well for a beginner that is just learning how to do the compound lifts that does not constitute a long term 20 year programming progression and the arguments for why it does are always fallacious in the sensibility that they ignore basic principles of biology they ignore basic principles of progression and really it's just it's just dogmatism of well so and so said this this works for everybody all the time does that idea ever seem reasonable to you in any situation that there's just one answer for something that always applies all the time and you can't question it? No. It, hopefully it doesn't. So with strength training, with muscle building, if you're a guy and you're wanting to go to the gym and I want to build muscle, I want to get big, I want to train with weights, I want to get toned, I want to be cut, you have to assess, one, what your starting point is, but two, you have to pick training that's appropriate for what your priority is, what's your goal. 
and there are numerous plans throughout the world. There's tons of programs, tons of programs. What matters more so is really the process of, you know, what are you learning how to do? Because the science, I can tell you right now, is pretty clear. Do you want to get strong? You're going to have to build muscle tissue. If you want to get good at one rep max lifting, you're going to have to practice with low reps. So that's pretty direct. If you want to strength train year-round, moderate to low reps, don't burn yourself out, don't get injured, and you follow that and you cycle your training so you don't plateau. If you want to focus more so on muscle mass, which I generally advise, guys, the reason being is that if you want to get strong in the first place, the easiest way to do that is just to get bigger. It's just to build muscle tissue. The biggest, strongest guys in the world are just that. They are the biggest guys in the world. The sort of mythological belief that you're going to be super strong, but super lean, but super lightweight, and not be big, probably not going to happen, guys. You know, here, here, here's reality therapy. If you were meant to be super strong and super lightweight and be 165 and benching 400 pounds, you'd already know it. You'd already know it. You'd already know that you are extremely gifted for maximal strength, and you wouldn't be needing to listen to this podcast. If you're not gifted for maximal strength, and you're not the guy that went to the gym his, you know, when he's 14 and immediately bench plus three plates, and there are guys like that. There's, there's those guys that go to the gym first year working out, and they're benching, squatting, deadlifting 300, 400, 500 pounds within months of training. If that's not you, then low rep, low volume, high-intensity strength training, that's not going to be your cup of tea. It's not going to be your forte. That's not going to work well for making progress long-term. The reason why your body doesn't look like what you want what you want to look like is probably because you don't build any muscle mass. Your training is not intense enough in regards to volume and reps to create that actual physiological effect to change your body composition. You know, the fallacy that if you train like a bodybuilder, you look like a bodybuilder is bullshit. No, you won't. If again, you would already know if you had the genetics to be freaking huge and just build slabs of muscle from working out four or five days a week. You know that already. Bodybuilders that you see in the magazines, fitness models, few factors. One, those guys are the genetic elite. They're that one in 1,000 guy that is already cut up before he even goes to work out, or he starts working out and he just transforms himself. They have elite muscle building genetics. They recover faster. They get stronger quicker. They build more muscle faster than the average person. They obviously have the, the genetics for massive muscular size. And then on top of that, they're taking a lot of drugs. And on top of that, they have a whole lifestyle, eating six times a day, training five or six days a week, sleeping constantly, again, taking more drugs before they train, after they train, you know, maybe doing taking insulin growth hormone. There's a reason bodybuilders look like bodybuilders. For 99.99% of people, you're not going to live that kind of lifestyle. And even if you did, you would not have the genetics to even look like that in the first place, flat out. All that said, how bodybuilders train, which is with moderate to high reps, from moderate to high amounts of sets, four, five, six days a week, you know, purposefully for building muscular tissue, that's the most effective way to train and build muscle. And lo and behold, if you actually work with elite-level bodybuilders and have trained with them, which I have, I've been doing been in this industry for eight years. I've worked with a lot of different people. Your average bodybuilder is extremely strong. Maybe not as strong as a competitive powerlifter, but almost as strong, and they train for two different things. You have powerlifters who train exclusively you know, for one rep maxes, and that's it. You have bodybuilders who weigh exactly the same as powerlifters, and oftentimes are 
maybe even in better health and are leaner, and they train for maximum muscular size, and they're almost as strong as the powerlifters, or or as strong, or in some cases, stronger than powerlifters. Bodybuilders oftentimes, in regards to you know body weight to body weight comparison, will have a way better bench press compared to powerlifters because they're super muscular in their upper body. How could they not be? So if you want to build muscle mass, you have to you you have to do reps. I mean, you have to do all the rep ranges. There's no, I can't make a secret out of this. If you want to build muscle mass, you have to do all the rep ranges, mostly moderate to high reps. You have to do moderate to high amounts of sets. You know, what, what exercises are the secret best exercises? There's no such thing, guys. There's no such thing. I'll, I'll give you the exercises right now for every muscle group. Every joint in your body, your shoulders, your chest, you know, every muscle group in your body, your chest, your shoulders, your quads, your hamstrings. There, okay, there's going to be about three exercises per muscle group that work really effectively. Why only three? Because each muscle group, every, every main muscle group in your body has about roughly approximately 90 to 180 degrees range of motion. And if you break that up into three sections of 30, 30, 30 degrees or you know, 60, 60, 60 degrees, depending on the joint, each of those three primary angles, that's a movement. So to make that make sense, what the fuck do you mean? Give you an example. Your chest. You want to work your chest. You can do dips. So that's pressing straight down. That's zero degrees. You can do bench press. So that's 90 degrees. You can do incline press. You know, that's uh, you know, 120 degrees. So you have dips. You have horizontal chest presses. You have incline chest presses. There's your three movements for your chest. That's it. So they could be weighted dips. They could be low inclined dumbbell chest presses. It could be flat bench press. It could be low inclined bench press. You know, it could be a slight decline press, but you've got three main angles for chest. That's it. And then you can add in some flies and boom, you got a workout. That's four movements for chest. That's a complete muscle building workout for chest. For shoulders, same thing. Your shoulders, they can raise your arm to the front, to the side. They can press overhead. They can also pull across your body and use your posterior delt. You got four movements for shoulders. That's it. Four main movements. Each of those movements, each of those directions have have variations to them. But you got four movements. For back, what do you got for back? You can pull weight from the ground. You can pull weight from an angle, 45 degrees. You can pull weight horizontally. You can pull weight overhead. So you got deadlifts, rows, more rows, and pull downs and chin-ups. Again, you got four main directions, guys. Four directions. A complete back workout is going to be at least about four movements. The same thing for, let's, you know, I can keep going. Quadriceps. You can squat. You can step forward. You can step sideways. You can step backwards. So you got lunges and you got squats, you know, or leg presses. For hamstrings, you can curl your hams, you can curl your leg back. You can extend your hips back. You got two movements for hamstrings. You got deadlifts. You got leg curls. Yeah, you could add in your thighs and say you got lateral lunges there. That's three movements. Quads, same thing. You know, we already covered quads. You know, back muscle, same thing. You know, arms, arms are super simple. What do your biceps do? You can curl from, you know, you can curl weight, you know, holding weight in the hands, standing. You could tilt your body forward and do preacher curls. You could do some chimps. You got three movements. Triceps, you can press down. You can press forward. You can press overhead. You got three movements, three movements for triceps. I just gave you all the secrets of where the best muscle building exercises. Exercises and compound movements are just built upon directions. Directions that line your body up with gravity to, that allow you to move weight. That's it. So the secret exercises, the secret, you know, chest movements, the secret, whatever the hell, to explode some lift, it's all bullshit, guys. 
This stuff is based upon simple physics. That's it. I mean, it's literal, literal basic physics, you know, level 50. Gravity grows straight down, so you need to line up your body where you can resist going in the opposite direction. That's, that's all there is, you know, that's not to say that's all there is to it, but to be reductionist, yes, that's all there is to it. I just gave you all the directions for all the muscle groups. And if you do compound movements for those things, or for most of them, you're going to build some muscle, muscular size. And then, you know, to address, you know, more fallacies to keep going with this, you know, building muscle size, how long does it take? I'll, I'll give you some statistics, and I'll include some charts for this even in the article. 80% of your muscle gains are going to come in the first one to two years of training. 80%. So if you weigh 160 and maybe your maximum you know, pounds of muscle you could gain is 50 pounds, your first 40 pounds are going to come in the first two years of training. So I mean, the first two years of training, you go from 160 to 200. Damn, now you're 200 pounds. Oh, wow, I'm still not that big. Whatever. Oh, well, I'm going to gain 10 more pounds. Your last 20% of your gains is going to be in years like 3 to 20. Your average bodybuilders, your advanced bodybuilders, your elite-level bodybuilders... They fight tooth and nail and inject drugs like you won't believe just to put on one or two pounds of muscle a year. For a natural guy, for a natural guy, when you're talking about muscle gains, you got a two-year period where you can make a lot happen. But beyond that, it's a slow, slow process. Adding tissue, adding tissue happens in grams a week. Even on a mass training cycle, which you know, if you listen to some of the other po- my other podcasts, I talk about this. How much muscle can you expect to gain in, you know, four months of bulking up? Hopefully, maybe six pounds, five or six pounds. Some of it, you know, maybe you gain 10 pounds total, some of it's fat. That's it. You know, bulking and cutting is a big bullshit myth. The, the, number, the guys that can bulk up and gain 40 pounds and then drop it and lose all the fat, but then have 20 pounds of muscle left over, that's, again, that's genetic elite level guys. I've talked about that in a prior podcast, which I'll link to. But most guys, again, 90% of guys do not need to bulk and cut. You just need to build muscle year-round, go through periods where you take off some body fat, but there's no need to excessively stuff your face for five months or six months straight and get fat and then think you're going to be super yoked when you cut down during summer. All you're doing is screwing up your physiological health. All you're doing is ruining your health by gaining and losing tons of weight. And muscle growth, like I said, most of your gains are going to come in the first two years. Past that point, it's a slow process. You could do drugs. You could take you know, anabolic steroids. Yeah, I'm not endorsing that, but that's there's a reason guys take them. Yeah, if you want to level up your gains again. But even then, once you're on drugs, it's not like you keep building muscle every single year over year. You know, if you gained five pounds a year for 20 years straight, every one of us would be 270 and yoked. And that's obviously not the case. Obviously not. If you can be... A 200 pound, you know, or above 200, you know, 200 plus guy that's muscular walking around with, you know, 10% body fat, you're on the far end of the spectrum. You are in the, maybe you're not the, the, the elite of the elite, but you're in a pretty small pool. Natural bodybuilders, if you look up the statistics and their body weights, the biggest natural bodybuilders in the world are 200 pounds on stage. The biggest guys in natural bodybuilding are 200 pounds on stage. How could that be? Because, you know, again, unless a guy is, has a massive frame, and, and a few guys do, a few, but unless a guy has a massive frame, your relatively normal frame-sized adult male, even if he's six feet plus, at a shredded body weight, he has about 200 pounds lean body mass. Some guys might have 210, maybe the 
biggest guys. Occasionally, we'll have 220. That's really uncommon, but it does happen from time to time. But that's it. You know, the idea of being 250, 260, 270, 280, 300 pounds, guys, there's no way to do that with anabolics. There is no way to do that with anabolic steroids. Flat out. You know, natural bodybuilders, you look at the size of bodybuilders, Arnold in his prime was about 230, you know, 225. And then, you know, Lee Haney, 1980, suddenly 250. Dorian Nate, suddenly 260. What changed? Guys started doing way more drugs. Guys started doing way more drugs. So, you know, that, that's the reality of that. When you start gaining muscle mass, if you've gained most of your, you know, your natty, your, or your, not your natty, but like your novice gains, your noob gains in the first few years, it's a slow process. You're going to have to learn to appreciate that it's going to take time. And you're going to have to figure out what your genetics are. And you had to talk about genetics. Everyone's individual. I, I got the question from somebody, I forget who, but, you know, they asked, you know, how come there's not, how come science hasn't found the answer to how you need to train, you know, for X, Y, Z? Because there's 7 million people on earth and they're all different. You know, science in quotes doesn't, science does not give you answers. It gives you general ranges and recommendations. So, you know, there's three, you know, there's three relative body types, so to speak. You got, and these are not scientific explanations either. So, you know, somatypes, ectomorphs, endomorphs, mesomorphs, those are not official scientific classifications. They're actually, it's actually pseudoscience, but I'm going to use them right now to make a point. So you got you got ectomorphs. You have guys that are naturally very skinny, with usually low body fat. You have mesomorphs, guys that are naturally just kind of muscular and they take to training and lifting very easily, naturally strong. You have endomorphs, which are the dudes where you know you're husky. You're naturally husky. You seem to gain weight easily. Maybe you're muscular, but you're not a lean guy at all. And that's and there you can be a combination of both. That's very general. But yeah, knowing your body type makes a huge difference, plays a huge role. For, you know, so the reason why some guys don't get results is, you know, if you're an ectomorphic, naturally skinny guy, you're going to just need to do some moderate to high reps. Lower up lifting is probably not going to be your thing. You're probably not going to be good at, you know, maximal lifting. You're never going to be that, that strong. It's okay. You have to figure out what your body type is. You know, a lot of times, you know, guys that are husky, guys that are, you know, made naturally muscular and just thick dudes, they love to lift heavy weights and go for one rep maxes and pull a triple or bench, you know, bench double because they're good at it. If you got big joints and you got a big waist and you're, you know, you're thick through the shoulders, thick through the legs, no kidding you're going to like the squat or deadlift. You know, same thing with the guys that are mesomorphic. You know, they're those guys that doesn't matter what they do, like everything works. That's not the guy to take training advice from. You know, if your boy went to the gym the first time when he was 16 and went from 150 to 210 and his arms went up to, you know, 19 inches, you know, I mean, that, that does happen occasionally. That guy probably isn't going to give you the best information on how you need to be training. Everyone's body type's a little bit different. You know, whether you have long arms or short arms, long femurs, short femurs, long torso, short torso, you know, a thick chest wall or narrow chest wall, you know, uh, you know whether you have narrow shoulders, broad shoulders, you know, an angled, uh, you know, an angled um, clavicle versus a straight clavicle, you know, big joints, small joints, all those things matter. That's what the process of training is. That's why I said at the beginning, the process kind of matters more than the plan does or the program. There's a lot of great programs, but if your process is an ignorant one where you don't study your own feedback, you don't study what works for you, for you, you don't keep a journal, you don't take notes, you don't do a little self-investigation, self-education, then yeah, you're going to be like every other guy doing the same routine year after freaking year, and you look exactly the same. 
And that's not to say that every year you should look 10 times better. But if you've been training for 10 years and you can't tell me at all any gains you've made, any progress you've made on anything, your training's probably been a lot of redundancy for not much progress or no progress at all. You have to be objective with this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of, res- and there's a lot of resources out there that are quality resources. I mean, I'm talking to you guys right now trying to help you see the light, so to speak. Yeah, the, the, the issue that people have, it goes back to that binary approach. If you're constantly looking for, you know, silver bolt answers, all you're going to find is bullshit information that caters to that. It's like, it's like looking for the guru. Tell me what I need to do to live my life. Yeah, you need to be objective and self-discover and self-explore and critically answer yourself. Ah, fuck it. I don't want to do any of that. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, no, you know, self-confirmation bias, guys, self-selection bias. If all you look for is binary bullshit information, that's all you're going to practice in your daily life. You know, health is not that complicated as a subject. It's not, it's not, it's really not. But working out, building muscle, training, lifting, this does require some conscientious learning. It does. You can't go around that and say that, oh, no, I want to think about it. Great, you're, and you can go sit on the couch and be overweight, and you know, when you're 35, 40, like a lot of the clients I've had, they come to me, oh, shit, my health has really gone to shit. My, oh, shit, my health has gone to shit for the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. How'd this happen? What do you mean, how'd it happen? Look at all the stuff you never did. It's not a mystery. This isn't the science of rockets. It's not. What else? What else? I've been going off on a whole bunch of subjects now. What else can we talk about with strength and muscle building? Huh. Let's talk training frequency. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, so we got, we, let's say we have it in our head now. We need to do reps. We need to train for muscul- muscularity. We need to assess our genetics. How often should we train? This depends on the kind of results you want to get, guys. You can get good results in three days a week. But more training usually equals to slightly faster results, like anything else. Yeah, not even results, but just progression. The more you practice something, the better you become at it. I consider four days a week to be the sweet spot myself. But some guys like to do five days, some guys like to do six days. Training frequency, it really depends on your recovery, how much sleep you get, can you eat enough to support the kind of training, if you have a really stressful lifestyle, if your sleep is shitty, I don't suggest training six days a week. I'd stick to three, four maybe. But if you're a young guy, you want to take advantage of being young and being high energy and you're in your twenties, yeah, definitely you can train five or six days a week. And things you need to keep in mind with this though, if you're training six days a week, let's say, not every workout can be a balls to the wall, throw up you know on the sidewalk, leave the gym fucking crippled workout. You're, you'll burn yourself out so fast doing that. The more you train, the less intense training needs to be. There, there's, a, there's an inverse relationship between frequency and intensity. If you only train three days a week, your workouts can be pretty freaking intense. They can be long. They can be an hour and a half. They can be a ton of volume. You can pack it in three days. If it's six days a week, it's going to be more moderate. You know, and and get, get it out of your head that you know, how, how hardcore you are for how hard you train. Everybody trains hard, guys. It's dedicated. It doesn't matter how hard you think you go. What ends up mattering is consistency. If you train at 70% intensity, let's say, for 10 years, that's awesome. You're going to look great. If you train at 100, 100% consistency six days a week for six months and you get injured and you have to take three months off and then work gets busy and then you know a year goes by, you haven't worked out, who gives a shit how hard you worked out? 
Yeah, I was with some guys this weekend. Yeah, you know, some friends of mine. You know, one of the guys that was you know came along in our group was talking about how strong he used to, how hard, how hard, how hard he used, hard he used to work. You know, and you know he could you know bench this amount of weight and press you know whatever the one twenty pound dumbbells. And what happened? You know, work stress got injured, stopped training. It's been over a year. No one gives a shit about how much of a badass you once were. No one gives a shit about how much you lifted back in high school or when you were 25. No one gives a shit what you looked like six years ago when you got ripped that one time for summer, kind of. Who gives a fuck? Consistency. What are you, what are you practicing every single day, and how is it showing up in your life right now? So with training... Yeah, three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, whatever. What can you consistently practice and commit to? What can you make a part of your daily lifestyle, your weekly lifestyle? What's going to become a part of your identity that way? Pick the number of days that suits that. Don't pick the number of days because you think you're going to fucking transform yourself in 90 days and then you know it's fixed and you solve your problems. Probably not happening that way. What else? What else with frequency? What else with muscle building can we discuss? I think, I think we covered a lot. This has been relatively short, I think. We're only at, what, not even the maybe 10-minute mark. What else can we discuss with muscle building mythology? What are other myths? Uh, you know what? Let's talk, okay, let's, let's talk about the big three. Let's talk about the squat, bench, and deadlift. Are these the best lifts to build muscle? No, they're not. How can you say that? Mark Ripto said they were. Mark Ripto's full of shit and has confirmation bias because he reduces everything in the world down to a yes-no paradigm of either you do my 3x5 program or you don't, and if you don't, you're a pussy. Again, we're, we're, let's be smart, guys. Let's be smart. Squat, bench, deadlift. Why are those not the best movements? Because there's no such thing as best, because there's no such thing as one-size-fits-all solution. Deadlifting is a, let's start with the deadlift. The deadlift is a great strength building exercise, but as a muscle builder, as a muscle builder, the deadlift has no eccentric portion. The deadlift is a very short duration lift, and the deadlift is hell in the lower back. The deadlift does not build that much muscle along the posterior chain on the back of the body. It doesn't. It's a mediocre muscle building movement. You can do it in such a way as to you know, maximize hamstring and glute development. And there's lots of deadlift variations that can be effective, but the barbell deadlift from the floor, I love the movement. It's a great, great movement for getting someone stronger. That said, it's not the best movement for getting for getting more muscular. And here, here's kind of the irony. The more muscular you are, the better your deadlift gets. The better your deadlift gets, you don't necessarily get more muscular, you just get good at deadlifting. So... If you want to get your back stronger, you want to get V'd out, you want to get a V taper, you want to look like a W, you want to have big lats, you want to have a lat spread, you want to have a thick back, you want to have density, you got to row, guys. It's like, the, you know, I think it's a Ronnie Coleman quote. You got to, got to row to grow, row to grow. You have to do the movements that actually work the muscles through a full range of motion. So, to clarify, deadlift, good movement, great strength builder. I put in all my, almost all my programs for people, but it's not the muscle building movement that people think it is. What about the bench press? This is an iffy one, guys. Bench pressing, this tends to fall into two camps. Either you're freaking great at bench pressing and you love it and you swear to God it's the best movement ever and your chest blew up and you bench four plates and how could, not, how could anyone not think the bench press is awesome? Or you hate the bench press 
you're not good at the bench press, your bench press goes up super slow. Why is there a difference with this? It depends upon your joint structure, guys. Guys, if you have a barrel chest and short arms, no kidding, the bench press is probably going to be pretty easy for you. If you've got a flat chest and you disappear from the side, standing sideways, and you've got super long arms, monkey arms, probably not going to like the bench press too much. Bench pressing, flat barrel bench pressing, depends very much upon your shoulder mechanics and your your skeletal structure, and that will kind of figure out whether you're good at it or not. You know, and most bodybuilders, if you talk to them, they don't do the bench press all that much. The majority of bodybuilders, I know because some of my clients are elite level guys, you know, like look at you and you don't have to trust me. Look online; they'll talk about how they prefer the dumbbell press or the low incline press for chest development because the bench press is screws up your shoulders. Having 300, 400, 500 pounds over your chest, over your shoulder joint, your shoulder joint's not that stable of a joint. That's a lot of weight. You know, all, all you need to do is do, get a pec tear one time or tear your rotator cuff and you can't bench again. So, you know, the bench press, yeah, flat pressing or low incline pressing, great for chest development. Awesome for chest development. The bench press itself, 50-50. You know, and, and not even that, almost like 80-20. Maybe one out of five guys it will work awesome for. The other four out of five, you know, find a variation that works for you. Use it as part of your workout, but it doesn't have to be the main movement you do for chest. It doesn't. Squat. What about the squat? Squats are awesome. Everyone should be squatting. But, again, this comes down to the kind of squat that you're doing. For some guys, a barbell squat is never going to work that well just because of how they're built. Again, it comes down to skeleton and body structure. And with that said, there's different styles of barbell squatting. You could do high bar. You could do low bar. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm referring to the position on the back. You could do a high bar position, low bar position. You could do a narrow stance squat. You could go with a wide stance squat. You could do box squats. You can do a powerlifting style squat. You can do an Olympic style squat. And there's a lot of in between. So you have to find the squat variation that works for you. You need to find the variation that works for you, not for somebody else. Training is a process. You customize it to suit your own anthropometrics. You customize it to suit your own body structure. Some guys love front squats. Some guys, that movement does not work that well. A lot of the stuff, you know, how's it, what's it, what does it depend on? Depends on you. I can't say across the board how every single you know, kind of body structure should be squatting. Everyone's a bit different. But I can tell you that you need to explore and find the movement that allows you to Take a muscle through a four inch of motion. Go go down all the way to at least ninety degrees. You know, work the body in a biomechanically efficient manner. You need to find that those variations. Maybe it's one, maybe it's a few. But again, don't assume just because something works for one guy that's automatically going to work for yourself. You know, find, a lot of times what can be helpful is find find a bodybuilder or find a lifter even or find find someone that's either trained a lot of people or maybe they have a body type similar to yours based upon, you know, just kind of how they look, you know, make that comparison, and then see how they train, you know, see what works for them. You might learn something from that. If you're a short guy, watch how some short guys train. If you're a really tall guy, listen to how a tall guy trains, you know, what, what recommendations he makes for tall lifters. You know, if, you, if you're not really sure, find someone that's trained a lot of people, a couple hundred people, and see, you know, see what the, see what experience tells you. you know, be, again, objectivity, you know, find the information, self-discovery, that's what muscle building is. It's a process. It's not just a program. It's not just exercises. It's a process. You have to put all of it together. Last thing. Let's let's close this up. 
So there's a term that I want you guys to know. It's called periodization. Periodization. What does that mean? It refers to planning out your training. It means it means you follow a program, basically. You'll see that term get thrown around a lot in sort of like let's say strength conditioning, exercise science literature. Sometimes you see it on the web now. Guy, people try to use it to sound smart. You got to periodize your training. All that means, guys, is that your training's planned out. It means that maybe you get a program. It's not just one workout, it's 12 weeks of workouts. You follow a program and it's not just, you know, do these exercises, it's do these exercises in the sequence over this amount of time. Periodization just means you have to have a plan. If I could recommend anything to you guys, you know, you know, throughout this whole podcast, you know, to try and wrap this up, you know, strength and muscle building, it takes place on a continuum. If you want to get strong, you have to build muscle. It takes time, it takes self-assessment. Record your training, write it down, objectively analyze what you're doing, critique it, seek out knowledgeable training resources, and understand that nothing happens overnight. This is like, you know, if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, if you want to have a gorilla body, gorilla mindset, gorilla body, mentality, physicality, this is lifelong. It has to be part of who you are. It is not something you just do for a few months and that's done. It has to be who you are. So I'll close it out there, guys. Good talking to you. You got any questions, comments, feedback? As always, feel free. You can support the podcast on Patreon if you want uh, at, at Alexander C. The Art of Health. And I'll talk to you guys again. I'll say good night and.